With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, everybody. Today on the show, we have Mr. Lupe Haggerty. Lupe's coming to us from Salt Lake City, Utah, but is originally from West Hartford, Connecticut. In this episode, we talk about Lupe's entire career. We bridge the gap to find out how he went from riding a ski sundown to receiving an invite to compete in X Games Real Ski. This is a long episode, but Lupe has a lot of great stories, and this is my favorite interview so far. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy it. What's up, man? Yo, Lupe. Good to see you. Yeah, how's it going, brother? Good, good. Thanks for coming on, man. This is uh, I'm excited for this. I was just going through new schoolers, looking at some of you guys' old stuff. So let's start out with something simple. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Lupe Haggerty, and I'm a professional skier. Awesome, awesome. So we're tr- today we're going to get like the, uh, the Lupe journey, if you will. So where did yeah, everything let- start out for you? Let's do it. Um... Yeah, basically, um, skiing started out or came into my life um, through like my family. Um, on my mom's side, I'm uh, me and my sister are two of fifteen cousins, and our uh, aunts and uncles and grandparents like we have a family house up in Vermont that we all go to like ski at and go on uh, vacations like for Christmas and stuff. And um, yeah, skiing just started out as like a a family activity way to get the family together and go up to Vermont and just go ski. And um, those are in my childhood, some of my like happiest, most fond memories. And um, yeah, it all just started out like skiing with my family and my cousins. And uh, yeah, like slowly up at Burke Mountain, Vermont, um, we would just kind of mess around and try and learn how to like start sliding rails and we're building jumps in the backyard and stuff. And it just kind of started out as like a, a way to just be together and have fun, really. For sure. So when did you, so you started, so you started riding park up at Burke. When did you decide, I'm going to take this serious. I'm going to try to pursue this as a career. Um, yeah, it was definitely, it didn't happen like super quick, I guess. Like it was definitely a process. Um, you know, with everything going on, like at home for myself, I think skiing was just a way to escape or like get away from things. And, you know, it was like just my free or like happy space, if you will. And um, yeah, it was like, I had an older cousin, Pat, and also an older cousin, Justin, they both were like big influences along with one of my other cousins, Spencer. And like, I just wanted to be like my cousins and they started like sliding rails and showing me like uh all sorts of ski movies and stuff and I was like man this is sick and then I slowly or I guess not slowly quickly realized how expensive skiing was and you know it wasn't at first like I wasn't like oh I want to be a pro or anything it was more of like I got to find a way to like make this work so I can keep doing this 
because you know like all the gear is super expensive and a season's pass and all that so I um I guess it was like eighth grade freshman year when I was really like man this is a uh, something I want to do and pursue and um I think it was more so at ski sundown when that was happening and um yeah I was just like man I want to keep doing this as long as I can and slowly started to learn about like the industry and how people like make it work and I was just like okay I think this is something I'd like to see if I can make possible and like at that time it seemed like so far out or like not really tangible and um slowly just like putting all my time and effort into it like started to meet the right people and things started to kind of line up and uh yeah it it definitely it was cool <laughs> yeah so let's talk more about those ski sundown days because I'm a sundown guy myself so that's when I first kind of saw you guys riding there so who was your crew like wh who were you riding with what were your guys goals what were you into at the time Word. Yeah, we had uh, we had quite the crew back in the day. It was like Ian Duggar, Evan Lyhip, uh, Ben Van Shack, Trey Smith, Tim Tracy, uh, Brett Coffin, uh, Paul Ply Pishin, um, Lucas Bruns, Tim Bruns. Man, I hope I'm not forgetting anyone. Um, yeah, I think that's most of the boys, like, you know, all basically West Hartford kids that I was going to school with and were like a little above me or below me in school. But um, yeah, we all just were super stoked on skiing. And, you know, we were really lucky to come from Connecticut and have a hill that, you know, back in the day, man, it's crazy to see old footage of sundown, like, some of the park setups they had and all the crazy rails. And um, we were really fortunate to have that growing up a place that, you know, isn't really known for skiing. And I think one of the biggest things too, is that um, ski sundown having night skiing allowed us to basically be able to ski every day. Like we could get out of school and on Wednesdays we'd get out early and then go to the mountain and, you know, we'd ski, the mountains open till 10 o'clock at night. So we'd be able to ski and get time on snow otherwise where it wouldn't have been possible without night skiing. So it was super sick. And Jared Moss was um, a huge influence in it all for sure. I got a shout out to him. You know, he was a huge help in the beginning of my career and really supportive. And, you know, he was always having contests at, at the mountain back in the day and he was the one that put me in touch with line and full tilt. Um, that was like my first sponsor flow type deal. And um, yeah, got me hooked up with some skis and boots and kind of got a foot in the door and, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of good things happened at ski sundown. <laughs> yeah. So what was the, uh, what was the origin of, of the A6O media name and kind of how did you guys think of that and then start putting out those edits? <laughs> Oh man, this is funny. Um, so the A6O media name actually started before skiing and it was like a homie of mine, uh, Dan Davis and I, um, we were like rollerblading and stuff and like skateboarding and we like were filming and just having fun. And like, I was like, Oh, we need to have a crew like blah, blah, blah. And it kind of started out through rollerblading actually. And then 
we were all like really getting into, you know, um, freestyle skiing and snowboarding. And then at that time, like everyone had their crew, like there's like ECSM out of Ski Sundown, East Coasties Mafia. And um, there's like the Fatties team, which I don't even know if it's still a ski shop or not. Um, it, it was like out of Canton, I believe. And, yeah, they're um, still we there. Just were like, word, word, that's dope. Yeah, and we were just like, yeah, man, we wanna, like, we wanna have a crew and start filming some stuff. And, you know, it was sick, cause back then, like Brett for a majority of the early days of A6O was like the primary filmer and editor. And like before Brett really took on that role, like we were just passing a camera around between the boys and like, you know, there was no set filmer editor per se. Um, we would literally just go to the mountain and like hand the camera off and film. And back then there were days where like, we'd, you know, be passing the camera around all afternoon and evening and we're filming on a tape camera and then we'd go back to Duggar's house and it'd be like nine, 10 o'clock at night. And we'd upload the footage onto his computer and, you know, like literally make a full edit in a day and be up to like three in the morning editing on tape. And uh, it's crazy how much things have progressed since then with technology and um, just the way everything works now, like, Instagram and everything. <laughs> yeah. And so have you still stayed in touch with those? Uh, Cause I know that there's kind of a new era of A6O with, with Chris running the whole show now. So have you stayed in touch with all those guys? Yeah, for sure. Like I definitely, um, I don't see Chris as much anymore, but you know, we still talk every now and then. And um, you know, Jared DeGumbia, uh, Mike, Chris's brother, uh, Jones, you know, some of those boys, like, definitely still talk to them once in a while. And uh, things have been pretty hectic for myself the past few years and living out west and traveling and filming a bunch. So I definitely don't see those guys as much as I would like. But, uh, yeah, they're still, like, really good friends of mine. Yeah, they're still getting after it. Um, so while we're talking origins, where did the name Lupe come from? Oh, word. Um, yeah, I was in Waterville Academy uh, my junior year of high school. And one of my uh, classmates, uh, Vark Kutnick, um, he started calling me Lupe Fiasco. And I actually like wasn't super stoked on it at first. He's like kind of just messing with me. And, um, and then everyone from my, my co or like my peers and like fellow skiers that I was going to school with and coaches and teachers, like it stuck pretty hard. And then I was like, oh, like I always wanted a nickname. I guess this is kind of cool. And it stuck pretty hard. And now uh, it's funny. People don't know my name or like a lot of people don't know my name is Luke. They they think my name is Lupe. So it, it's funny for sure. When I meet people, they'll be like, oh, I thought you were like European or you were like going to be foreign or something. So it, it's funny. <laughs> so you started. So when did you start going to Waterville? And that did that kind of replace going to school in West Hartford? Yeah. Um, yeah. Junior year of high school was a huge uh, year for myself with skiing and everything where I had already become like fully all about skiing pretty much through high school, like freshman year on. And um, I was doing everything and anything I could to 
learn about skiing and have my skis on my feet and trying to be around the industry. And I was super fortunate. Um, my grandma took out some of her funds from her retirement to um, make it possible for me to go to Waterville because like financially um, it just wasn't an option for myself. It's like basically like going to college, you know, super expensive. And um, yeah, so I was presented with the opportunity to go up there and be able to ski every day. And, you know, being around the talent up there, the kids that I was skiing with and the coaches I was working with, it was uh, a really fortunate experience for myself. And I think personally, it was a big turning point where I noticed I was progressing a lot faster being on snow every day and getting to travel to contests and just being around kids that were all better than me. It really pushed me to want to ski better and to learn. And um, yeah, like, that was a, a really, really big point in my life where I was like, yeah, like, this is it. Like, this is what I, I want to do. And I think I already kind of knew that, but I just didn't know if it would ever be possible. And then that was like, kind of um, gave me a glimpse of like what, what things could be like and, you know, really gave me some motivation. And so while were you, while you were there, did you, were you set on like, okay, I want to be a comp skier or okay, I want to be a film skier or were you just trying to get better? Um, I think, you know, the program that they had us on, we were competing like very regularly and we were doing slope style and half pipe contests and like a bunch of rail jams and stuff. And at that point um, in the program, like there wasn't really any focus on filming, although that up until that point, that's like all I really knew was like filming and, and shredding with the homies. And, um, you know, I saw this new outlet of like, you know, guys competing were like able to make a living and the name for themselves. And um, I definitely was like really stoked on it, but it was extremely expensive because on top of paying for the school, then you were still having to pay for the travel to get from A to B. Um, There's entry fees and, you know, just it, it adds up quick when you're trying to travel and, and compete. And um, it's only gotten more difficult since then. But I was stoked and, you know, we were doing like the Junior Olympics. So I was like trying to qualify for the Junior Olympics that year. And um, I was like really stoked on getting to learn how to compete and just like you know, it was a really good learning experience. But um, after that year, it was pretty apparent that like, I wasn't going to be able to go back again my senior year. And um, yeah, I basically after that year, I was like, ah, I don't think I'm going to really be able to compete as much or on the level that I was And like, my senior year, I tried to compete a little bit like did some opens. I think I did like the Corinthia open Gatorade free flow tour and um, uh, Dumont Cup and a couple other things like that. But um, it was kind of quickly becoming like, okay, this is like really expensive. And, you know, I don't know how long I'm gonna be able to make this work. And like, also I wasn't like, you know, just racking up podiums and stuff like that. And I was seeing other guys like Ian Compton, uh, Parker White, Chris Logan, like dudes from Mount Snow that were like making it 
with just filming and um, that was kind of like what I grew up on and where I found I had the most fun like there's nothing better than like landing or I shouldn't say there's nothing better but it's a great feeling like when you land a comp run and you know things go well it's a really good feeling and I'm definitely a competitive person but I've found I like being more competitive just with myself and through filming you can like be competitive with yourself but it's like a different thing than trying to just like compete against people and um you know just like filming I think can be more creative so I started to make that switch consciously like my senior year of high school when I actually um moved up to Mount Snow that year and they just started like the Corinthia pro team and um my friend Devin Logan she like got me um put in touch with like the person that was putting the whole team together and uh I went up and like had an interview they wanted to like talk to me about it so I my dad drove me up from Connecticut and I met with the marketing director and they were like yeah we have this in-house filmer and like you know we're going to give some passes away to the team and like we're going to just try and like put out a bunch of like c sessions edits and it started all lining up really well where like I took online classes like my second half of senior year lived at my grandpa's house at Mount Snow and um, got put on the Corinthia pro team and was just like skiing there every day and filming and um, yeah just being around Compton at that time like he was blowing up pretty hard from like the line traveling circus stuff and starting to do the week and um I was like, wow, like he's making it work and he's not competing and like filming's super fun and like what I wanted to do and enjoyed most. So it started that transition for me around that time. Hell yeah, man. And so when did, um, when did like these early sponsors start coming in? So you're living up in Mount Snow or are you starting to get recognized by companies at that point? Um, yeah, like my, my junior year of high school, like so, um, sophomore summer going into junior year, like right before I went to Waterville, um, I made like a, a sponsor me tape and I sent it to Jared Moss. And he had told me, he was like, yo, if, um, you know, if you can put together something, like I'll send it out to some of the guys that I know. <clears throat> and I was like super hyped. And I put together this little sponsor me tape and sent it to him. And I was like, yo, man, like, here's my, my edit. Like, do you think you can send it to some companies? Like, I'd be so stoked to get some free skis. And he was just like, yeah, like, that's a sick edit. You're going to have to keep working hard, dude. Like, you know, keep trying. And I was just like, oh, so like, I guess it's not going to work out. And I was kind of bummed. And then like two weeks later, he messaged me back and he was like, yeah, so the line dudes like saw your stuff and they're they're down, like they're stoked. I'm gonna put you in touch with Dan Belair, who went on to work for Armada and just had recently left like this past summer to pursue stuff in like the car industry. But um yeah, like I got um my first pair of skis and boots flowed to me by line in full tilt. And so that was huge. I was just like, man, like. I'm so stoked. I'm sponsored. This is sick. And that was like my foot in the door. And Jared was really a huge part of that. So I'm super grateful. And then, you know, getting Mount Snow to give me a free season's pass and 
have the opportunity to have a filmer that I could go and film with every day and like film stuff for the mountain and create that relationship was really, really special. And um, yeah, that was kind of the start of it all right there. And then through being up at Corinthia and around the older guys, I started just asking tons of questions about like, so how does this work? How do you do this? Like, just like being that young, really stoked, kind of annoying kid. And um, so, yeah, I was, I was stoked, man. It was, it was really cool. And that's kind of where everything started happening. When did Nordica come into the fold? When did you start getting involved with them? And then, yeah, well, yeah, leave it with Nordica for now. Right on. Yeah. So that senior year, I like made some, some friends that were like, you know, all a bit older than me that were up there. Um, a lot of snowboarders like Brian Skrupski, um, Zach Wilmot, um, Sean Murphy, like a lot of the guys that were already kind of established and involved with like the Corinthia program. And um, I would go and like hang out at their house. Also, there's a homie Ryan Mathis who was living at the house and a bunch of other names too. But they would just let me come and hang out and I was kind of the younger guy. And then I was like living at my grandpa's, but anytime I could like go and hang out with them, I was like way stoked. And they, they were really nice and took me under their wing. And then after that season, they were like, yeah, we're getting a house again next year. Like if you want to like go in on the house with us, like, you know, that's something you can do. So like I graduated high school in 2011 and then the next year I got a house with like a bunch of those guys and um, Compton was like crashing on our couch and um, pitching in on some rent money and stuff. And yeah, like he was a huge influence on a lot and he had a really good relationship with Evan Williams. Like they're really good friends and have done a lot of filming together over the years. So with Compton being around the house and him and Evan having a really close relationship like Evan was around and I got to like spend time with Evan hanging out and skiing and stuff and then um, I think that was a big part of it just like getting to know each other and then after that season Evan um, got a job at Nordica and he reached out to me I believe it was the fall of 2012 and um yeah, he was just like, hey, man, like, I just got this job at Nordica. I'm trying to put together a team. Like, I, I'm talking to Dale about it, uh, Dale Talkington and a couple other guys. Like, I'd be really stoked if you'd want to get on board. And I was just like, yeah, man, like, that sounds sick. Like, it seems like a really good opportunity. And he, like, kind of mentioned, he was like, yeah, like, we have this thing going with Subaru and we're trying to, like, figure it all out but they're gonna like give us a car and we're gonna do this whole like tour thing and I was just like word like that sounds crazy so yeah that fall like after I graduated <clears throat> ended up signing with Nordica and then like a month after signing with Nordica like Evan hit me back and was like yeah dude like so the Subaru things a go like we're trying to find a filmer and like you guys are going to be on the road for two months, just like traveling around the country filming and like trying to have other guys come link up with you and, you know, to be just out of high school and be like, yeah, we're going to like give you a car that's like not even on the market yet, like next year's car and like as much gas money as you need, your food's paid for, all accommodations paid for. I was just like, this is unreal, you know, so that was um, 
that was a trip. Like that was crazy. That was a really big moment for myself. And yeah, it was, it was sick. <laughs> yeah. So what did they, so what did they want you to do on that trip? How many, how many episodes were they expecting you guys to put out? What was your kind of, was, did they want you to figure everything out and kind of create your own game plan or did they give you like a roadmap? Dude, it was a pretty loose operation. Like it was kind of, I don't know. It was tough. Cause like there was just Liam and my, Liam McKinley was the filmer and then I was the main skier. And um, like, it was kind of like, they wanted to like show how the vehicle um, is great for getting us from point A to point B and, you know, putting all our gear in it and stuff. And with the amount we were traveling and driving, it was just like really hard for Liam to like edit everything too. So he was kind of just like filming stuff and then sending it to Evan and um, it definitely was like, you know, pretty loose the way it was all like going, but you know, it, it was, it was really cool, big learning experience. And um, yeah. Awesome. And so I was talking to Andy about this in another interview. What are your, um, what are your sponsors asking for, from you when they send you a free pair of skis, free pair of boots? Like, did you have, especially with Nordica when it gets into like, you know, you were with them for six years. So what are they kind of expecting you to give in return um, and so in form, like in the form of deliverables, basically. Yeah. Back then, um, you know, Instagram was still so new. So back then I would say the focus more was like, you know, your expectations are don't ski on other people's skis or boots when you compete, like, you know, you need to be on our stuff when you're filming, you need to be on our stuff. And, you know, the more edits you put out, the better. And, um, you know, I think then the focus was really like, you know, put out content and put out edits on new schoolers and like Facebook and whatnot. And um, at that point, you could only post uh, photos on Instagram still, which I really liked. I think, you know, once Instagram had videos, I, I was so bummed when they started having videos be able to be uploaded. And, you know, I think it's slowly taken away from like the film side of skiing. But um you know, everything changes and that's life. So yeah, I think it was all pretty simple then though. Like I wasn't at that point getting paid by Nordica. So it was like pretty straightforward and it was just like prove yourself kind of thing. And, you know, like trying to make it apparent that I was like, I want to make this my career. So I was going to like any demos I could to help out and like do whatever I could aside from just skiing to like be like hey like I want to learn and see how this all works and like um, trying to just like show them that I'm willing to do more than be just a skier and like try and be as involved as possible. Nice and so so where does the story go from here after uh, Subaru? So I saw you know you're I've seen you at Wendell's I've seen you at Woodward at Copper, you've flown all around the world. Where did your kind of career go, go for, like, where did your career take you after, after the Subaru trip? Um, so yeah, the, after the Subaru trip, like, I guess during that time too, like on top of trying to film those edits for Nordica, <clears throat> um, I was like filming a super unknown and, um, I was just like, for sure set on at that point being like, I want to be a film skier. I want to get my foot in the door with um, a production company or, you know, <clears throat> make that next step. And I filmed my super unknown, didn't really have much come of it. And then 
I was just like, yeah, like I'm going to keep filming and trying to do my thing. And this, the year the Subaru tour happened, like I spent quite a bit of time in Colorado and I was like, all right, it's time to like make the move out West. And um, yeah, I, I moved out to Colorado the year after the Subaru tour. And like, even during that season, I spent like two, three months in Colorado and uh, just being out there and like at that time, like Summit County has changed so much since I moved out. But like when I first got out there, dude, it was it was a crazy scene. Um, Dew Tour was still happening there. Like all the step dudes were out there um, and really all the contest guys too. like anyone competing would go out to Summit for the beginning of the season because they would have jumps up in November and the park was like in November better than any park on the East coast, which is so wild. So yeah, I just got out there and was trying to film as much as I could. And I was just meeting so many people in the industry, so many athletes and um, just trying to film as much as I could. And, you know, started like, I had already really kind of started filming street in Connecticut, but not like, a ton you know like hit like five or six features and then um the Subaru year like definitely tried to hit a good amount of street and was like really fired up about it and then the step dudes are a huge influence and like getting to kind of be around them in Colorado and seeing what was going on with level one I was just like yeah like this is what I'm trying to do trying to film a segment so I would just focus on like trying to film as much as I could and um yeah, things slowly just kept, kept growing. And then the year, like my second year in Colorado, I met up with um, Tanner Hall. It was pretty crazy. Like the summer before I met up with him in, um, in Colorado, like I was out in uh, Wendell's and it just happened that like this homie was filming a decline edit of Tanner, um, Will Berman and Taylor Seaton. And like they they had already kind of finished filming and like the dude comes up to me he's like yo lupe like you want to get a couple shots like and i was like hell yeah like let's do it and didn't really think much of it and then i ended up having a few shots in that edit with like tanner hall taylor seaton and will berman and that was huge to me at the time i was just like man this is crazy like i'm in an edit with tanner hall like just like tripping yeah. And then that fall, like he, he was out in Colorado and he was doing like the winter jungle uh, inspired episodes. And um, I actually ended up filming um, with like Scott Klum, uh, Jaron Stradler and Ahmet Dadali for like uh, an episode that Tanner had shots in and even filming with Ahmet too was so crazy. And um then it was the second edit with a within a couple months that I had been in like two edits with Tanner and like still hadn't met him. And I knew he was in Colorado at that time. So I actually reached out to him on Facebook. I was just like, Hey man, like we've been in two edits together now. And like, I still haven't met you. And I, I just want to say it's like an honor and I'd love to ski with you or do some filming or something. And um, he hit me back like real quick and was like, yeah, man, like for sure, let's link up and film. And then so that whole November, um, we literally linked up every day. We were hanging out and skiing. And um, yeah, he was just like, yeah, dude, come on, like, let's get it. And we were just filming together. And it was incredible. Like Scott Klum was filming it all. And 
I was just so fired up and motivated to be skiing with T Hall. And um, it was, it was a really special opportunity. And then like, after having that month of like filming with Tanner and inspired and like, you know, people seeing my name associated with all of that, it was like pretty crazy. The response I was getting from like everyone back home in Connecticut and the people that were at that time following my skiing. And um, yeah, Tanner was like, all right, man, well, like I got to leave. Like I'm going, I think he was going to like BC or, um, you know, he had something he had to go do. And he's like, dude, I'm going to put you in contact with Iberg and like, you should like, you know, keep filming for some inspired stuff. And basically got the opportunity to like do like my own web series under inspired media. Thanks to like Tanner connecting me with Iberg. And um, so that's when like um, inspired media, like style files, like the web series I did with them kind of was born. And then that the rest of that season, we did three episodes and that was like my main focus. Like I was just so fired up by the response from my sponsors and friends and peers. And um, I was like, man, this is so crazy. Like, I can't even believe this is happening. And I was just so motivated to like try and film every day and like do the best shit I could. And we were filming a ton of street and I actually linked up uh, with Chris and like some of the, the boys back East and we we're, you know, getting after it, which was really sick. And that two or three week period back in Connecticut filming for style files everything lined up so well and like we were just like logging shots like two or three clips a day like being super productive and the stars kind of aligned for all that and um yeah that whole season was crazy man we were like also um with Jared DeGumbia who like runs the studio collab he um he's a a genius with like you know all the computer programs and um, printing vinyl and making clothes and stuff and he uh, helped me. We were doing like inspired um, Connecticut teas and we were just selling them to like make a little extra money to like pay for gas and like, you know, make it possible. Cause at that point, like I think Corinthia was the only sponsor I had actually paying me. And um, so, yeah, the whole season was a huge learning process and just kind of like a, a dream, like it all happened so quick. And um yeah, that definitely was a huge turning point for where I feel like I gained a lot of confidence and like just the opportunity itself was incredible. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I didn't know that you were so involved with Tanner at one point. That's that's really cool. So so when did uh, Planks come into the fold for you? Because I've seen that they're kind of one of your main sponsors now, I'd say, right? Yeah, yeah. So that also is like another Colorado thing, like I was riding for a Raj um, for flow. So they were just like giving me like free gear and stuff. And um, yeah, they had that whole kind of thing happen where they like were changing um, a bunch of the, um, the way that like the company was being run and who they were putting their uh, money towards and stuff. And I was by no means high up on the totem pole. I was pretty low, but yeah they ended up dropping a bunch of guys and I was just like oh well I guess I don't have an outerwear sponsor anymore and I was actually at SIA which is like a big trade show in Denver <clears throat> and um one of my good friends uh Dan Doherty we actually met through like an online um 
summer rail skiing contest where like I was I ended up being the runner up to his video which won and like there was um yeah like a whole thing it was like the stereo skis uh summer edit contest so we like knew each other from that and then we met in person and we're like hanging out and he's like dude you got to come meet this company like or like the owner of this company or well I guess he wasn't the owner but he was like North American sales uh, representative. And um, yeah, that was like planks. So I was just out at SIA and he introduced me to him and I was just like, yeah, man, like I'm trying to find a new uh, outerwear sponsor. And I was trying to be patient and like, not just like settle for anything. And that opportunity presented itself. And I was just like, yeah, like I really need some financial support. Like I'm at a time where I'm trying to like make this my career and they were like down to sit down and talk about it and like hear what I was asking for and what my goals were and um yeah it was crazy like we went out to dinner and I was like this is what I'm looking for this is what I'm trying to do this is what I've been working on showed him like the style file stuff and and they were like, yeah, like, let's get on board. Like, we're trying to find some more guys around North America and, like, blow this brand up. And, um, yeah, I, like, I just shook hands with him right there at the table. And he's like, let's do it. And then a couple days later, I had a contract ready for me and signed with Planks. And now I've been with them for six years. So they've been one of my biggest sponsors and supporters over the years. And I'm super fortunate to have grown with them because, like, when I first got on, I, you know, the apparel and the quality of things, like I've watched the brand grow so much and improve and it's been super special. And, you know, the ski industry is really tough. So to have a company that's like been there since day one and like we've both grown together, it's a really special thing. And, um, you know, just to have that loyalty between each other and like, you know, it's just something you don't see very often in the ski world. So I, I feel very fortunate to still be with them and to have been able to make it work. Definitely. And so when you when you finally got that that financial assistance you were looking for, what did you what did you do with the money? Did you just pump it right back into your ski career? Did you start saving up a little bit to have some stability? What was what was the plan after that? Um, at that point, I still like I wasn't fully living off of skiing. So basically the program I was on from like 14, maybe 15 till about like two or three years ago was like, I would work from right when the uh, mountains close till like November. And um, I was, you know, just working five days a week um, maybe sometimes more and, um, you know, just like super tunnel vision, like, you know, all my friends were out, um, you know, partying every night and like, not to say that I didn't like get distracted at times, but compared to like the kids I grew up with, like I was like, I know what I want to do. I know what I need to do to make it happen. And, um, I was super focused and just working really hard to save every dime I could, I was really lucky. I got to live at my aunt and uncle's house. So I'd go back to Connecticut in the summer, save money on rent and food, and just like try and save every dime that I made to save for the winter. So then I could take the winters off to just fully focus on skiing. 
So I would like save as much as I could. And then I had like a little money coming in from Corinthia, a little money coming in from planks. And um, at that time too, I was riding for shred optics. So like I was able to go throughout the winter and not have to work. And like, I could travel and film, but it was like, you know, I was balling on a budget. Like it was tight, you know, like not having the most money to spend on food and like, it was just like a pretty ghetto setup. Like I was living in houses where it was like four or five guys in like a two bedroom apartment. And we're just like crammed in paying the cheapest rent we can make it. And, um, you know, just doing whatever we could do to make it work so we can ski really. Nice. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of a recurring theme. It seems like a lot of guys are on the work, the off season so they could ski all, all the time during the season. Um, what, what were some of those jobs that you'd pick up? Just, just curious. Um, so I first, um, I worked for my uncle's landscaping business and like the first year I was just like so new to it all. So I kind of just like would get thrown in with like random crews and, you know, just like whatever they told me to do, I did. And then as I had been at the company for a little bit, I got put in a mowing crew. And then like basically for a summer, I was like a weed whacker, which is like pretty, it sounds mellow, but it's really not. Like we're doing these huge condo complexes and like big properties and stuff. And I was walking around from seven, six thirty, seven in the morning till four, four thirty-five at night, sometimes even later, you know, putting in a lot of hours. Um just carrying a weed whacker around, like walking nonstop. So man, that like, I wouldn't change it for anything. Cause that type of stuff, like really made me appreciate what I have and, you know, made me realize how lucky I am to be doing what I'm doing. But, you know, I went through some summers where I was so miserable and bummed and like, you know, seeing a lot of the, the kids I grew up with that, you know, came from like well-off families and stuff. they like, didn't have to work during the summer and like they were just chilling super hard and I was just like man I want to just be chilling hard and like going to the beach or like hanging out and I was like well if you want to do this thing with skiing you know you can't and you know no one else really around me where I grew up was trying to pursue skiing like I was so I definitely had an internal battle when I was younger and like a lot of frustration at times of like you know, you're in Connecticut in the middle of the summer, it's like 95, 100 degrees with humidity. And like, you're just like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? And then like the second I would get back out to Colorado, I'd be like, okay, I remember why I do this. Like, this is all worth it. And, you know, it, it was good. I, I try to remind myself of those times when I'm like feeling uh, annoyed or like, complaining about something and be like man you have it so good like there's nothing to complain about so I think it was all like really good for myself and a really big learning lesson it instilled a lot in me and then after I stopped working for my uncle I was working for this like small landscaping business in um, West Hartford and I was basically like running the mowing uh, department for them so I was just in charge of like cutting all the grass and managing all the mowing accounts and stuff. And um, it was cool because I could make my own schedule and 
the the owner of the business was like really supportive of my skiing and knew what I was trying to do so like he was really cool and I I really uh appreciate all the support he showed me and you know he was very flexible and just kind of let me do my thing which was nice and really grateful for my uncle to have learned so much from working for for his company and um, then I was able to take all that and kind of go do my own thing and living with my uncle and having him be my boss it kind of at a point became like a weird tension thing or like maybe it was just me I don't know but like I didn't really like it at a point I was like I need to like do something else so yeah I started working for this landscaping business in Connecticut for a while and then once I started to like make the full switch to living out west and like wasn't coming home in the summers and was finally able to stay out there because like for a long time I just was like man like how am I going to stay out here in the summer and pay rent and make money but then I started having more money coming in from sponsors and like I was like I need to stay out here like I'm miserable being home in Connecticut away from skiers and the industry and then started kind of doing like painting in the summer and um, also worked some like uh, concrete construction jobs and just a lot of physical labor and um, yeah it was all good and I think for myself like it, it was really positive as far as like shaping who I am and you know I think hard work like especially physical labor it's good for you um, I think everyone should do it at one point or another. <laughs> and so do you think that like that kind of work ethic has helped your skiing progress because I know you do a ton of urban and so that's that's definitely not the most pleasant type of skiing. So have there been times in the street where you've just been like, why the hell am I doing this? And then kind of tap into what you've already experienced? Yeah, absolutely. Like I think in general, um, you know, the being around the ski industry and this path I chose is it's been tough. Like I feel like when I was younger, there was a lot more frustration because you're around a lot of kids and people and it's not like, I'm not like mad at them or anything, but when I was younger, it was just like, man, like all these kids, like their family just like supports them. And like, they don't have to worry about like how they're going to pay for their skis or their pass or like getting to contests or whatever. Like their parents were like really able to financially support them. And for myself, like I was really lucky because I had a lot of aunts and uncles that like were like, you know, wanted to help me out. And like my dad did what he could when he could. And my uh my nana my dad's mom she was a big support too but like the level i wanted to do it like for my family skiing was just a pastime and for myself i was like i want to make this my job and so i think from all the the physical labor jobs i had and just wanting to make skiing work and how much effort it took because I didn't have some of the backing that other kids had, you know, instilled in me at a really young age that like you have to work really hard or like harder than some people to like make this a reality. And um, just like kind of applied that to my whole life. And it's been such a learning experience and it's like taught me so much about myself and life in general, just like, being like, if you want something, like, don't worry or look at what other people have or are doing, like, just figure out what you need to do to make it happen and do it. And, um, you know, from all those young years of like, you know, kind of having to go through the motions and 
work super hard just to like make skiing even a possibility and then to slowly have some breaks and like things start happening you're like all right like got to keep it going and you just like keep that that momentum and that motivation and that type of mindset of like all right I'm gonna just work my ass off no matter what and like I would like to think that that's something I try to bring to the table for my sponsors too of like I want my sponsors to feel like they can come to me for anything and that I'm not going to be some like, oh, like I'm like, no, like I'm the pro skier. Like I can't do this or I can't do that. Like I want them to come to me and be like, oh yeah, Lupe will do whatever we need and like go above and beyond. And like, I think that's a way I've been able to keep good relationships with sponsors. It's not just being like, oh, all I do is ski, like literally willing to do anything to make it work and bring value to the table, um, I think is super important. Yeah, that's awesome. And so once you start, once you start spending your, um, your summers out in Colorado, do things like start progressing even faster from there? Um, yeah, I think everything like definitely like things, you know, just continuously progress slowly. Like it was, it wasn't like for my career, I never went from like nothing to everything overnight. It was all just like a slow progression over the years of like, all right, like this past year, I, I was getting like five grand from my sponsors and like, I'm trying to get to here now. And like, you know, I was always like very conscious of my money and like how much I would need for rent for the year and like how much I needed to spend on food per week or month. And like, was pretty on top of trying to make, or like trying to manage my money as best I could. And like being like, well, this is what I need to make it work. And um, yeah, just slowly like gaining more sponsors and like, not just accepting, like being like, Oh yeah. Like I'll just ride for gear. Like, I'm like, no dude, like, this is like my career. Like I'm trying to like live and like make this my job. And like, this is what I need from you guys to make that happen. And, you know, just not being um, discouraged by people telling me no. And like, you know, really being willing to put myself out there and be like, Hey, this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I need. And like, if someone says yes, that's awesome. And if they say no, like, I'm not going to take it personally. Like, I'm just going to go to the next person and try and like figure out a way to make it work. So it was um, definitely a slow process, you know, and like a really big learning one too, with like learning how to negotiate with sponsors and like how I can bring value to the table. And like in those days we were like the early Colorado days, we were filming, like I was working on like a yearly movie and submitting into IF3 and high five and, just finding ways to try and figure out what the sponsors wanted and how I could meet those needs while still doing what I wanted to do with making a movie or a segment. And um, it just, yeah, every year there was things that was like, Oh, well, I screwed that up or could have done that better. Or like this worked really well, but it was all just like a big learning process and just like slowly kept evolving to get to a point where I was like, okay, wow. Like I'm, actually now making my full living off of skiing and it was uh definitely quite some time before I could say that for sure <laughs> yeah and and so in doing research for this I watched basically everything you've posted online so what did your what did your 10-year project mean to you oh man I had mixed feelings about it um like overall though it was just extremely nostalgic like 
to look back that long and to be seeing like, you know, where it all started out and like to think about where I was then in the beginning of those first shots and just like dreaming of being a sponsored skier and like being like, man, being a pro skier would be so sick. And then just like continuously, no matter what, like, it's not just the winner, you know, I feel like a lot of kids are like, oh yeah, I'm like focused all winter. And then like, you know, in the summer, everyone else is like thinking about other stuff. And like, if you really want to make it work, like it's like every single day of the year, you got to be focused on like, this is what I want. And I know most people aren't going to be on the same path as me and like not getting distracted by day-to-day stuff that like normal people if you will are doing because like I feel like the life of a pro skier or like a skier isn't very normal you know what is normal I don't know maybe that's not the best word but like you know so just not like not letting your eyes off the prize really I think is like super super important but I totally got distracted what was the question again uh, what the 10 year project meant to you. And you've kind of you kind of answered it. Yeah, it's just it, it showed great progress over time. And it's kind of I love the thing that I love most that you did is that as you grew the the music for each year changed. I thought that was like a great touch. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. And yeah, just going back to you just kind of sparked my memory again. Yeah, just going over all that footage. It was super nostalgic. And like, I don't know, I've really been striving to have the content I put out, like really be professional. And, um, you know, I think the one thing about that, it was tough was like, there was so much footage that I either had to download or didn't have like the actual raw shots. So I was like working with like literally edited footage from an edit or whatever. And like, so it was definitely ghetto and like, you know, thrown together. But yeah, I think literally what you just said was like the biggest um, most importance to me was just to show like the progression of where I came from to where I am now and how my skills have progressed and like my style and you know just to show too like how long I've been doing it because like I feel like a lot of people just like get into the industry and just like immediately expect like well why don't I have this like why don't I have that why am I not getting paid or like whatever and it's easy to look around at other people and like not know their story or what they've gone through and like just be like oh like why why does he have that and I don't and just like I don't know I felt it was just cool to like show that yeah maybe I'm not like the best skier in the world but I've been working in my opinion I've been working hard and trying to make this work for a really long time and yeah to be in the streets for over 10 years is like you know, I'm not the only person to do it, but it, it, I think it speaks something or has some importance. So Mm -hmm. Um, I think a really, another really pivotal point in my career was like linking up with good company, like Wallace's production company. And um, so I got put on shred optics and yeah, Jeff Curry put me in touch with the team manager. Jeff Curry was like one of the original founders of Treefort and he's now moved on to um, Black Forest and he has a new project he's working on. But um, yeah, Jeff like put me in touch with Mark um, at Shred and he was just like, hey, they're looking to like build out the free ski program. Like, you know, I think it could be a good opportunity for you to like 
get a little money and like start like you know working with a team and so I got put on and you know the that was the year of style files they started paying me a little bit and like helping me out and I was like really involved with the brand and like Mark and I had talked like frequently on the phone and had good communication and we're working closely. And then like a year later, we had a team shoot at, um, at Mount hood during the summer. And it was, uh, Duncan Adams, uh, Mike Hornbeck, uh, Tom Wallace and myself all staying at the athlete house. And, um, that was the year that I had filmed, um, uh, Bufu, which is like the first like full movie that I worked on with like Keegan Kilbride, Evan Lyhip and Kirk Scully. And I was just pretty young and like super fired up. And like, I grew up watching like Hornbeck, Wallace and Duncan, like in level one movies. And I was like the, the rookie or the kid on the trip that was just like, so stoked to be with all these dudes. And it was like a dream come true. You know, some kid from Connecticut, like on a team trip with all these guys. So it was pretty crazy. And like, I was showing Tom and Hornbeck, like all these street clips and like, dude, like, check this out. Like, look what we did. And just being like that annoying fired up kid. And um, they were super nice to me and, you know, they dealt with my, my shit and they were super cool. And like, we're down to watch my footage and stuff. And like, I was like, Tom, like, you gotta let me come film with, with you guys next year man like it, I'll do anything like just say the word and he's just like laughing he's like yeah all right like and he's just super nice and patient about it all and then that next winter it was like New Year's Eve and um he called me at like 1 a.m on New Year's Eve and he was like I missed the call and I look at my phone and I wasn't even doing anything I was just like at my house chilling with the homies and I'm like, what? Like, missed call from Wallace? Like, no fucking way. So I call him back like five minutes later and he's like, Lupe, like, what are you doing right now? And I was like, oh, I'm just like drinking some beers with the boys. Like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm getting ready to go on a street trip. Like, get your ass to Utah tomorrow. And I was just like, no fucking way. I was like, can you give me one day to get to Utah? Like, I need to get my shit together. And he's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, this was like the the second year that he was filming for real ski, I believe. And um, yeah, linked up with him in Utah and we hit this feature, like right as I got into town, it was like probably one of the biggest wall rides I've ever hit. It's like the Tyler Tom or um, Dylan Thompson, like tech nine wall ride in like downtown Salt Lake. And I was like, yeah, like, let's hit that. Like I'm down. And then like, I get up on the roof and look down. I'm like, holy shit, dude, this is huge. Like, what did I just get myself into? And like, we get the session going. I ended up getting the shot. I like split my chin open, going big, like hit my face into my knee, but I got the clip and I was just like, damn, this is unreal. Then the next day we go to Idaho and like the first spot I hit, I like went way too big and dislocated my shoulder or excuse me dislocated my elbow like jumping off this roof and I would like I had run out of money I was like just eating like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and I was just like calling my sponsors like yo I'm hurt like I need I need to get home can you guys help me out and like no one was down to help and Tom's like dude I got you like he flew me back home on his flight miles and like just took care of me and shit and um 
yeah, just such a good dude, like welcomed me into the crew with open arms. And, you know, it was kind of a bummer. I got hurt, but, you know, from there I had multiple other opportunities, like did a street trip to Tahoe, did like a, a seven Springs, um, shoot uh with the crew and um you know some other street trips as well filming for different good company projects and you know to be involved with that and like be filming for a production company on that level was an absolute dream come true and like i actually had like some funny ass facebook message from way back in the day like before i even knew tom i was just like hey man like how'd you get so good at skiing and it was crazy because he took the time to like respond to me and he was like super nice he's like yeah just every time you go like just trying to have fun and learn something new and like that was when he was like blowing up super hard and you know he didn't have to do that he didn't have to take the time to respond and like I'll still remind him of that once in a while and he'll just make fun of me and be like oh Lupe like <laughs> but it, it's it's crazy man like that was another huge turning point for myself and yeah I've learned a lot from being around Tom and like how he operates and makes things happen like on the film grind and just like watching how he handles his business and conducts himself. He's a, he's a really good dude and he knows how to make it all happen. So I've been really fortunate to get to experience like being around him and yeah, that's just a, a dream come true. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, that I'm glad we didn't gloss over that. Cause that's uh that's an amazing story. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, Speaking of turning points, I mean, this is pretty sick. So you have your own ski now. After all this progress, you have your own custom ski that you're riding on. So what was the deal with that? I mean, this thing turned out sick. Yeah, that's, it's crazy, man. That's another one that I just like, you know, always a childhood dream, but you don't ever think it's like going to happen. Um, but yeah, I had been with Nordica for like, I think it was six or seven years. And um, yeah, I just... You know, when I first started out, like Evan was super involved and like, I believe the president of Nordica at that time was also like wanting to put resources towards the freestyle side of things. Like, you know, um, he had an account on New Schoolers and was like going on and he gave Evan full reign to like, just do what he knew how to do. And we were doing a lot of team related stuff, like filming together, putting out content and there was a good chunk of time where like Nordica was like super popular and everyone was like really fired up on what Evan was like putting together and making happen. And, you know, Evan did a really good job with getting a lot of guys that were like friends and, you know, young up and coming guys on the team along with already established dudes like uh, Compton and, and Dale. So the, Nordica had a rebrand and like they went from not being that cool overnight to like being super popular and very trendy and uh you know they gave Evan a lot of rain with like how everything went and that was the case for a couple of years and then to my understanding like the some of the stuff behind the scenes changed like with the president and um you know, the direction of the brand kind of started to change a bit and Evan didn't have as much freedom per se. And again, I, I hope I'm not like, I don't want to be speaking for him, but this is just the way I remember it. And, um, you know, slowly the team started to thin out again and there wasn't as much focus on like 
putting out the the edits and the content and like you know the focus was going more towards the family stuff and like the enforcer and um you know more like touring and um all mountain kind of stuff so slowly I just felt like there wasn't as much involvement for myself and um you know I was super fortunate like I had a, a small reimbursement budget for travel and still got all the gear I needed and Evan still like did a great job of like taking care of me and you know I would still get like um Subarus here and there to like drive around for a while and film with which was huge but I just was like feeling like a lack of involvement and um, I really wanted to start getting more involved with like being more than just like a skier like here's some gear like we'll talk to you later so I started trying to explore other options and nothing really seemed to be like lining up and, and then eventually I was out at Hood and um, I I met a buddy, uh, Ryan Barrick, and then Peter Gowans, who's like the sales manager for Deviation. And we spent some time together out there, spent some time together in, in Colorado and started kind of talking about like, hey, like what would it take for you to get on board with us? And, you know, I expressed to them, I was like, I want to have a pro model ski and I want to be involved in the brand, like with developing product and you know, developing the team and the image of the brand. And, um, you know, I don't want it to just be a thing of like, here's a paycheck, here's some skis, like we'll talk to you next year. And they seemed like very into the idea of bringing me on board and giving me some freedom and like using some of the experience I have to try and grow the brand in, in the area that I know about with like freestyle skiing. And um, so it was really cool and it was kind of a slow process. It took almost a half a year to a year of just like going back and forth about stuff. And, you know, I gave them kind of an idea of like what it would take and um, yeah, it was all really cool. And they were down, they were like, yeah, like we can make a pro model ski happen for you. And like, I was like, what do you think about me being the team manager for the brand and like helping bring on guys and like being that role of like making the call of like who's going to ride for us and trying to grow the brand and, you know, like going into the factory and meeting the dudes on the production team and meeting the one of the owners and everyone behind the scenes, um, you know, the graphics guy and, you know, it just felt like a good fit and like they were opening their arms and like letting me come in and see everything and like it was crazy you know being in the factory and like it, it was all just nuts like so it was kind of a no-brainer and then yeah I was just like I know I can't ski the way I am forever so I'm trying to learn as much as I can about other aspects of the industry to set myself up to learn about how skis are made to learn about what it takes to be a team manager and like have some more involvement with the brand beyond just being like an influencer of like, Oh, like I put out another edit or here's another segment. So I think that too was a conscious decision of thinking a bit more long-term and trying to set myself up. So like, it's not just one day I'm like, Oh word, like I'm not skiing street anymore. And like, I don't have a dollar saved in my savings. 
and I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with my life. Like I just dedicated the past like 15 years to this and now I'm like left with nothing. So that was all kind of a big conscious decision. Cause like through the early years of <clears throat> trying to establish a career for myself, like it was a constant battle of my family members and people that cared about me being like, what are you doing? Like, cause I didn't even know exactly what I was doing. Like he's kind of figuring it out as I go, but they're just like, this isn't going to be a career. Like this isn't going to last. Like what makes you think you can just be a ski bum or like whatever. So, you know, I had all that in the back of my head, like, what are you going to do? Like, blah, blah, blah. So I'm just trying to like find a way to keep this lifestyle going and like stay involved in something I really love and am passionate about and not just like have it be like, Oh, one day it's over. And like, you know, sick, got to go like sit at a desk and, just like do some bullshit job that you don't even care about so like you know that was a huge huge part of it all I think yeah that's definitely that's definitely a good step forward in, in the career and kind of a nice uh a nice safety net you're setting up for yourself um so I think I remember seeing is there a story behind behind the uh the graphic for the for the ski yeah for sure um so my sister is a really talented artist and I, um, I, I love my sister very much and <laughs> yeah, getting all corny here, but like, I just, once I had the opportunity present itself, like I had definitely had the thought of like in years kind of leading up to this of like, man, it would be so sick to like, you know, be able to like bring an opportunity like this to a family member that I care about so much. And like, you know, it, it would just like skiing, I think because of what it started out as in the beginning of like this family time, this time where I like skiing was the glue to bringing all the people that I care about together. And like some of the happiest moments, like I sometimes now wonder if like subconsciously was that part of why I was like not only the physical enjoyment of like what skiing brings to me but like the meaning and the memories and like what it does like bringing people together and some of those early childhood moments I'm like oh was I subconsciously just like following something that makes me feel good along with the feeling I get from physically skiing and so to like be able to tie it back to family and like you know, have these opportunities that I'm experiencing for myself and have it be involved with other family members. Um, sorry, I got to find a charger. My phone's about to die. Um, hold that thought for one second. Yes, sir. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, tying it in with family and stuff, like it was just super special to me to like be able to experience this with with my sister and be like, yeah, like I'm going to have a pro model ski and like the graphics going to be something that she designed. It was just a dream come true and kind of like a thought I had that I wonder now I'm like, did I manifest that or like how did it all happen? But I remember like years before this was a thing, I was like, it'd be so sick. Like if I had my name on a ski, a pro model ski and my sister did the graphic and like, you know, like all the people that were like, this is never going to work. You're never going to be able to make this happen. And like to constantly have people telling you that you really care about 
that what you're doing, you're wasting your time and it's not going to work out. It, it'll wear down on you after a while. And, you know, it's hard to like not listen to that. So to get to a point where now like the people that were like telling me these things out of like concern and love for me, they were just trying to tell me what they thought was best or like from their life experiences. But then to like finally get to a point where I'm like, look, I'm doing this, like I'm traveling around the world, like I'm making a living and I'm having these opportunities present themselves to me that like, they're like creating these opportunities for myself. Like it, it really was like sick. Cause there are definitely times where I was just like, man, like, am I crazy? Like, should I listen to them? Like, is this all just like, am I just like playing myself? And I think I'm doing all this stuff that I'm not. But then like when an opportunity like that happens and you like literally have your name on a ski and your sister's signature is on it. And like, she did the graphic and like, then you're at the mountain with them on your feet and people are like, wow, those skis are beautiful, like sick. And usually I won't be like, oh yeah, it's my pro model. Cause I feel like that's kind of like cocky or whatever, but just like to be like, yeah, they're stoked on it. Sick. And then in my head, I'm like, huh? Yeah, this is like my ski. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's such a great story. Um, kind of transitioning to more of your film projects, what was the backstory behind Voodoo Child and your most recent project, um, Nowhere Now Here? That was like a transition where like a lot of things were changing. I had recently, I had been living with a group of guys that I'd lived with for like three or four years. And I ended up just kind of moving out of that house. And like one of the guys I was living with was like, who I was at that point in time filming with mostly. And so I then started filming with Owen Dahlberg where that kind of was like our relationship started And like, I had already kind of started Voodoo Child, but like was in this weird place where I was just kind of like, I'm making this segment and I need to finish it. And like, he was like, yeah, I'm down to help you make it happen. And, um, yeah, sorry, my my internet connection went bad for a second. So, um, no worries. Yeah, you linked up with Owen and you started working on a project. So, wh where are we going? Yeah, yeah, linked up yeah. with Owen and yeah, I was just like, I it's like super important to me to like continue to be putting out segments each year. And you know, I filmed for it a bunch in Colorado, and um, you know, I got on like a trip with Good Company that winter to Minnesota. And they like use the footage for um, crossing paths, but then we're like, yeah, you can use this footage too. Like once our project drops to like put out your full part. And so it was all like really, really fortunate the way it all worked out and ended up getting all this footage. And I actually went over to, um, to Europe and got some shots in France as well. Like when I was linked up with the Planks guys, cause like the, at that time they were like based out of like, Morzine France or most of them were anyway and um yeah it was just super important to me like I put a lot into that and submitted into IF3 and High Five it was the first project that I I had submitted and accepted into High Five so like you know getting to show this project internationally in France for like the world premiere was super special and I just felt like the skiing to date and the production Owen did given like he had all these shots from different people like he put it together really well and like when I watched that segment I'm still really stoked on it like my skiing and the way Owen put it together and 
yeah, it was just really meaningful. And um, yeah, looking back, it's like a nostalgic thing. And I feel like it's just an important stepping stone. And like, you know, the process that I had been learning about submitting into the festivals and like just putting out um, a yearly project that I think, you know, I grew up on ski movies and every fall anticipating, you know, the new movies that were coming out in segments. And I think, you know, Instagram is a great platform and like, you know, you can't down everything like, like it's at the end of the day, like there are things I don't like about it, but it also gives people a platform to get their name out. And um, I, I respect that and, you know, like get yours, but I think it's super important to still have segments and full projects that really like take time and effort and, you know, developing like that should still hold the most weight in our industry, I think over like an Instagram clip or whatever. And it's just interesting where you're seeing sponsors put their value these days and like what they want to see and how the, the ski movie or segment is dying out or not as frequent as it once was. So that was like a huge year where I was just learning a lot and still like, you know, just like I have to put out a segment. I want to put out a movie again. And it was something I'm just super proud of. So yeah, that that's a really important one to myself and learned a lot just with like, um, honestly, so many different things with like negotiating with sponsors, how I can bring value to the table and like get support for myself by being like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to focus on this project. And like, this is what I need from you guys to make it happen. And, you know, to get the support from sponsors to do that and other peers and like Owen to be on board with the vision I had and be willing to help me with that was huge. And it really was the start of our relationship that we have um, created. And um, yeah, like after that, I was like, man, I want to keep filming another part or project. And excuse me, we like kind of the year after that worked on the 10 year part like got some new shots for it but I was like editing it all and like Owen was just like helping out he was actually living in Utah and then um coming to Colorado or like I went to Utah a couple times and like I had just come back from like this pretty gnarly skate injury I broke my leg and like had ankle surgery so that season I was just kind of like I wasn't crushing it super hard I would say like I was a little tentative and you know just like not really sure what I was going to do because things had changed with like I wasn't skiing and filming with the guys that I had been filming and skiing with the past couple years so I was like trying to figure out like all right like what am I doing now so like we put a lot of the shots into the 10-year part for the 10th year but then I saved some clips that we had gotten to put towards nowhere now here so like nowhere now here was kind of like a two-year part um there really only were like, I think four or five shots from the year previous that we saved. So like a majority of it was filmed in one year, but there were a few clips that we saved and like kind of just that year or two in general, like we started like, all right, like I want to work on this project and like really come up with a concept. And like, I started like spitballing ideas with Owen about like wanting to do something Grateful Dead inspired. Cause like I, am really influenced by their music and the band's culture or the counterculture and like you know just the way that their music has affected me over the years and like influenced me in my life 
so we started that concept and then it was kind of crazy because the year going into like the full like focus of filming where we got the majority of the shots like Ben Shetler announced that he was doing fire on the mountain like a fully Grateful Dead inspired piece and I was just like well fuck like he's like going all out and like actually working with the dead on this like so we kind of had to change our approach a little bit but um it, it still was Grateful Dead inspired we just did it in a a little more um it wasn't like originally we had all these ideas of these cartoons we wanted to like incorporate into it and have it be like full out but then I was just like man I don't want it to seem like I'm just like biting what he just did so like Owen started like spitballing these ideas of like some of that like interlude scene where like we have like the roses and the water and the skull you know like if you know the dead you know that's like a tribute to them but we were trying to do it just a little more discreetly and then the whole project wasn't just Grateful Dead music but like the last song is um uncle john's band and like you know there's like some teases of saint stephen at the beginning of the whole project and then and the interlude and there's some cool little voiceovers of like it's like jerry and bob weir like talking he's like what like they're doing like a sound check and he's like why are things so strange like and just saying some funny shit that like you know when you're listening to their recordings and like you hear this stuff i was like i think this is interesting so Owen really helped me execute the whole idea. Like without him, it wouldn't have been possible. So that was huge. And just like working together through it too, it really helped us learn about each other and get into or create a flow that like we have a process now that like we know each other very well and like what needs to be done when we show up at a spot or just like how we operate and do things and edit and film and like, you know, we live together too. So like, you know, we're around each other all the time, constantly traveling. And like, it's really cool. Like looking back at how our relationships grown, like I feel so lucky and fortunate to have someone in my life that I have this kind of connection where like, we're not only just really good friends, like it's like one of my best friends, but also we have this business relationship where like I've been able to continue my career with his help and I've done everything I can to try and help his career and, you know, try and find ways to like help him make it or like make it possible for him to like pay rent and like, you know, do the basic stuff and travel and experience new things. So it's been really crazy, honestly. Yeah. So you're going to be in X Games Real Ski this year. And I'm assuming you worked with Owen on that project, right? Yeah, dude. Um, yeah. We actually just was it yesterday? Yeah, the guys, like, we're pretty much done filming. We're gonna, like, go out today and try and get one more shot, but um, the deadline's January 28th, and yeah, we've been filming since November 1st, and um, yeah, like, the guys just came over yesterday, uh, AJ and Kyle, to film, like, the TV interviews, so we pretty much have, like, wrapped everything up, and we just spent a month uh, on the road, like, we drove all the way out to the East coast and like bounced around the East coast chasing snow and then spent like two, two and a half weeks in Madison, Wisconsin in the Midwest. And um, yeah, I guess like filming started out super slow. Cause 
we basically didn't have any snow in Salt Lake minus one really small storm. So like from November 1st to December, like 15th, like we got to hit like two spots with like just scraping snow. So it was just like hitting rails really. And then the trip started out kind of slow on the road, but then like we picked up some good momentum and then we kind of like ran out of uh, budget and also were pretty worn down from being on the road for a month and like driving over 7,000 miles. So we like came back two weeks before the filming deadline, which I'm like kind of bummed about, but also it's just like, there's only so much you can do. So, but overall it's just like crazy to been dreaming of getting an invite the past like four years and working towards it. And um, yeah, to have it finally happen and to finally like, be like, wow, I'm in X games, like, you know, childhood Lupe or like, I wasn't even Lupe then it was like still Luke when I was like 13 and just dreaming of this. Like if someone told me this was going to happen, I would just like, be like, yeah, right, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Did, so did you end up, did you make it out to Connecticut for some urban or, or was there not enough snow? So we were in Connecticut. Um, I actually got to see like some family and my sister for the first time in eight years on Christmas, which was really sick. It's like usually around that time, it's like crunch time, just got to film and stack them up. So it was sick. Like we got down to Connecticut Christmas day and like, unfortunately all the snow had melted. So we spent like a day or two in Connecticut, like hanging with my family. And then, um, yeah, unfortunately, like all the snow was gone. So we didn't get to hit stuff there, which I was pretty excited to do. But even just being on the East Coast, I'd wanted to hit rails on the East Coast the past like four, maybe even five years. And it just like never lined up. And it was cool to for my real ski year to get back to the East Coast and back to the roots to do some filming. So that was really special. That's awesome. And so and looking, so just looking at behind the scenes of, of how real ski works. So who, who reaches out to you and kind of, how does, how, how does that whole process work of actually formally getting invited, you know, receiving like the instructions, if they give you any, like what, what's that process? Yeah, this year um, was pretty interesting the way it all happened for myself, but basically like the judges, you know, like Tom, LJ, um, Kai, like they all play like a role in picking like or having influence and in like the guys that get invited. And a lot of it is really based off of like the segment you're putting out that year previously that like comes out in the fall. So like, like Tom and all the other judges are like all super on top of like keeping up with like the new content and, you know, everything that gets submitted into IF3 and uh, high five. I think it's more IF3, but they see all the segments and the parts coming out. And like, you know, like it's really all about like the part you put out the year before and like who's putting out the best stuff or like, you know, the gnarliest stuff or whatever the right word is. I don't know. But um, yeah, so that was like a huge thing. Like every year I would just be like, yeah, like here's my segment. Like, like I really want a spot and you just got to like talk to those guys about it. And, um, you know, every year, the past two or three years, I've been talking to Tom and just, you know, being like, dude, like I'll do anything for an invite. Like, come on, like throw me a bone or like whatever. 
and he's like yeah just keep working hard dude like we're we'll see what happens and then this year it all just like worked out like after nowhere now here like I went all in on that project and really was fortunate to get the support from deviation and other sponsors to have the budget to be able to go travel and, and take care of Owen's travel costs and um, you know, have the resources to like not have to worry about money as much and be able to just focus on like, where is the snow? Where's the best place to go film and doing the best skiing I can. So like eliminating some of those things that I had had to stress about in years past with like, just not having the the resources to make it all happen like you know just being pretty broke um but it all worked out super well this year and yeah I'm like really really proud of the project nowhere now here and really enjoyed the process and all the support I got for it and then that really led into getting the real ski part and I was in Oregon actually surfing at um I was at Seaside Cove and LJ was like, yo man, like we should link up and surf tomorrow. Um, I think I'll be up by like 10 or something. And I was like, yeah, sounds sick, dude. Like, just let me know. He was coming up from Portland and I was just like sleeping in my car, surfing, hanging at the beach. And he's like, yo dude, I'm going to be late. I actually have a call with X games, like the real ski judges about like who we're picking. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Like, you know, I like the timing was just wild. And I think I had actually already heard. I hope I'm not going to get anyone in trouble by saying this, but um, I heard like a hall, Alex Hall had already gotten an invite. And I was just like, damn it, man, like another year, like didn't get the invite. Like what, what did I do wrong? Like I'm doing everything I can, like focusing 110% on street skiing and putting out the best segment I can. Like I thought for sure that I was like, after like nowhere now here, I was like, dude, this is, this is the year I'm going to get the invite. And then I heard a hall got it like right before I left for the surf trip. And I was just like, all right, like definitely like really bummed and kind of like just mad at myself. And, and I was like, all right, well, you can't dwell on things you can't control. Like you did everything you could just go surf and have fun. And then like LJ hit me up and he like told me they're still like trying to figure it out. And I was just like, Oh, all right. But already had kind of just been like, dude, like just let it go. And you know, it's not the end of the world. Like it's a bummer, but you know, like life will move on. It will be okay. <laughs> and um, so I, I went and surfed and like got out of the water and LJ is like still on the phone. And he's like, yeah, man, like I'll come find you in a minute. Like I'm just finishing up this call. So I was like parked on the beach and um yeah, just like making myself breakfast. And I was in my wetsuit looking at the waves and LJ comes up and he's got his phone like kind of pointed down filming and I didn't even realize it. And he just starts off like, he's like, yo man, like you've been so like inspiring. Like you've been filming street for so long trying to get yours. And like, I thought he was like letting me down nicely. Like being like trying to give me some compliments and be like, oh, but you didn't make it again. And I was just like, oh, fucking A, like, I already thought I would, I didn't make it. And then he like puts his phone up and he's like, how does it feel? Like, I got some heavy news to tell you, like you got into X Games Real Ski. And I was just like, what? Like, no fucking way. Because I thought for sure, like they had already picked the guys 
and I kind of had already like accepted that I didn't get it. So I was just like, was like, I had let it go. I was like, I can't do anything about it. Like, I'm not going to just continue to beat myself up. And then there I am, like, like I, in the past, like three or four years, I've been so, so stoked on surfing. Like since skiing, surfing is the only thing that has like given me that same feeling of like, it's almost undescribable, but like I've fallen in love with surfing and I'm just so happy to be there. So happy to be at the beach in my wetsuit, just watching the waves, eating breakfast on the beach. And then LJ, like some dude I've grown up watching ski and idolize comes up to me and tells me that I get an X games part. And I was just, it was one of the happiest moments. Like I get goosebumps thinking about it. It was really something else. So that was super, super special. Yeah. That's incredible. That's, that's really, incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, so, I am so stoked to see the park. Cause you, you know, talk about manifesting stuff. I was, I was even thinking to myself, cause like over quarantine, I binged basically all ski content. And I'm like, when the hell's Lupe going to be in, in real ski? Like, let's see some Connecticut guys out there. So like when I saw your post on Instagram, I'm like, hell yeah. Like, this is amazing. I, I'm, I was so stoked about it. Sick. Yeah. I appreciate that, dude. It, it's really cool. Um, the response that I've gotten from people since I made the announcement has been very humbling. Um, I, I've heard from people that I haven't talked to in so long, like since high school and just people from Connecticut that are just like fired up and they're like, dude, no way. Like you're in X games, like 860 CT represent, like, I'm so stoked for you, man. Congratulations. Like, I know how long you've been working at this and like how much dedication and like your whole life you've put towards skiing. And now for you to be presented with an opportunity like this is like, like a dream come true. And to hear people like reaching out and saying that to me, not that like, you know, people's opinions like are the most important thing at the end of the day, but it, it it's really special to hear like that people are stoked and, I appreciate like everyone reaching out and it's been flattering to like see so many people stoked and like hyped up that I, I got this opportunity and um, yeah, I'm just super grateful for it. And I think this year, the, the contest changed a little bit. Um, it's not just street skiing. They opened it up to like any type of skiing. So there's going to be backcountry. There could be park, like it's literally like a minute 30 second edit of like you showcasing what your style of skiing is and like how you want to portray skiing. So I like definitely kind of went into it with a little bit different mindset than I, I think I originally thought I would have like, you know, in years past, like the guys are like literally just like putting their life on the line, you know, to like make the best street, street part they can like that's a minute and 30 seconds you get a really short time window in the beginning of the season so it's super gnarly because like you get from November to like mid-January and like even in years past like the guys had a shorter times time frame and like you know you haven't really warmed up yet and it's like all right go and do the craziest gnarliest uh, most creative shit you've ever done so there's like a lot of pressure like physically and mentally and like you know you're putting your body on the line. And, um, my big goal this year was like, 
I want to just enjoy the process. Like, I don't want to be so stressed out that I can't sleep at night. And like, I don't want to get so hurt filming this that like, I, something really bad happens and I can't walk or I, you know, like I like changed my life forever. And I, I feel like maybe to some people that might come across as like, well, you don't deserve the spot or like, then if you're not going to like risk it all, then like, why would you accept it? But like, I don't know, just being 28 and having a little bit different mindset than I did when I was like in my early twenties, I really just wanted to enjoy this process and like, you know, enjoy being on the road with my friends and like, look back on it and be like, that was a really cool experience. And like, I didn't just stress the whole time or like, I didn't just like get broke off and like, just like hurt myself and um yeah I definitely like took some risks and you know was like pushing it tried to hit some big stuff and tried to hit some fun creative stuff some new stuff and like you know I I don't know I'm interested to see what people think about the segment I don't think it's necessarily like the best segment I've ever put out which ironically I think is it's supposed to maybe people think is supposed to be your best segment for X Games but you know I'm proud of what Owen and I were able to do and yeah like interested to see what people think of it and interested to see what everyone else was up to and you know I think uh yeah I'm happy we worked hard and you know that's like that's a big part of it so yeah we'll see i guess we'll see what you guys think <laughs> yeah do you know when uh the results come out and when they're doing the whole the whole show on it um i believe so the submission date is january 28th and then i believe um february 16th the edits are going to release online for the fan vote and then i think it's like february 22nd or 23rd is when the tv show is going to air so um yeah, that's kind of like the time frame of it all right now. Yeah. But um I can definitely stay in touch with you about those dates like just as they confirm, but like as of right now I'm pretty confident that's what they've told me. Yeah. Yeah, and we got to have all of all of Connecticut hopping on and voting for the fan favorite when that does come out. We'll set Word, the army yeah. on everybody. That that would be sick, dude. Yeah. There's definitely there's a lot of lot of big names um so yeah it it should be interesting to see how it all turns out yeah for sure all right so it's been a while uh do you have time for a couple uh listener questions yeah dude i'm in no rush like i'm happy to to talk as as long as you need all right we got in touch with some some people all right uh let's see i'll start off with some some uh some some that we received and then I'll go to the people that, you know, um, so top three dead songs, your favorite doesn't have to be like an objective top three of all time. What are your three favorite? All right. Um, let me see. I think. Give me a second here. Mm -hmm. This is a tough one. I think I'd have to say, uh, Sorry, one second. I'm looking at my most played <laughs> to see. Um, damn, it's so hard. Like, 
I think Easy Wind, I would say, is potentially one of them. Um, Candyman. And maybe like St. Stephen or He's Gone. Yeah. Um, also Brown Eyed Woman. Like Mama Tried. Um, don't ease me in man there's so many like it's so hard to so hard to pick <laughs> yeah i feel you i'm a i'm a mississippi half step type of guy myself but those are yeah, all that's another that's another one that's another one i have just like um i have a playlist it's just a, a bunch of their like live stuff that like it's all like i love it all like it's all so good and i feel like a big thing for me more so is like it's like, what kind of mood am I in or what, what the vibe or the setting, you know, like, cause like for like a, a mellow chill car, car ride, it might be something kind of like more chill and laid back. And then there's some times where I like want to get like fired up and I, I don't know, it's all, I think time and place and setting and the way I'm feeling will dictate what song i want to hear if that makes sense yeah for sure for sure um all right uh let's see going through uh sketchiest urban moment oh man there's a lot but <laughs> the one that comes to mind right off the bat um it was in connecticut i was i was with uh chris dijon jared de gumbia and I think maybe Brett was even there too. Um, but yeah, we, um, it's pretty loose. Honestly, we were like hitting this parking garage or we were actually with the HG skis boys too. It was like, I think Christian Franchino, uh, Connor Gata was there and Charlie Stemmen. And um, we, there's this parking garage that had like a four foot tall, window that I wanted to jump through onto this like down flat ledge and we had nothing to tie the bungee off to so we made this in run that would fit in between the car tires and I was sitting on the hood of the car and Jared would like drive the car and this is a rental car that his dad rented so it's like pretty ridiculous that we did this and I was sitting on the hood of the car and he'd push me in to get speed and I was hitting it forwards. And I kept doing like a one eight nollie one eighty out. And I was just like, dude, like I need to do something more than a one eighty out. Like this isn't that cool. And I was like, I want to hit it switch. So I like start having him pushing me in backwards. So I'm literally like looking at him skiing backwards with my hands on the hood of the car and he's pushing me into this feature and like the in run was kind of short, like, or the space that he could drive the car and like two or three hits. I just like, was like almost getting enough speed, but not quite. And I was like, I was like, Jay, like Jared, you gotta, I need a little more, bro. Come on. Like we can do this. And, um, he's like, all right, I got you. I got you. And so he, he steps it up, goes a little faster. And then the one I lace, I literally do switch one 
through the window onto the ledge, nollie 180 out. And he like smokes the takeoff of the lip. And then like, I think it probably helped and he smashes into the concrete wall. But like, because the snow was there, I think it like saved the car, but like he like crashed his rental car, like getting me speed for a feature. And then like a day later, we're like on a main street in Glastonbury. And it, it was like this like concrete wall that's like banked. And I was doing like a right 270 into it. And I thought, I was like, oh yeah, like natural speed will be good. And like, I just wasn't getting enough speed. So we're like on this main busy road and like, he's like pulling the car, like right to the edge of the road. So I can like hold on to the window. And like, he's like getting me, like pulling me in to get me speed. And like, he's just like the man, like down to do whatever it took to like help me get the shot. And he's like my winch man, you know, like he, he would run the winch for me and just like always be at the spot helping me out and shit. And like, he's just been like one of my, best friends like always you know helped me out with anything and just always been there for me and we just have been through so much together so like huge shout out to him and Chris and like all the boys like because yeah they were just always down to help out and you know I only got love for all those dudes like they've been a huge huge support great friends yeah that's awesome all right now we'll move into uh the folks you know so this one Kirk uh Kirk Scully sent a bunch so I'll run through some of these. Uh, uh, it's super funny. Uh, let's see. Uh, favorite feature you've ever built, street or backcountry? Huh. Um. Man, that's tough. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite, but like one of the most memorable spots um, in uh, – I think it's good company, man, I can't even remember the name of it. What? It's one of the older good company movies. Um, I did a trip to Lake Tahoe with Evan Lyhip and Dylan Sundrop and Sundrop. I think I'm saying his name wrong. Sorry, Dylan. But um, yeah, there's this crazy, like, it's like a C um, I beam that was like, I think like 20 feet off the ground or maybe even more like absolutely huge. And um, we built this like massive jump, like to step up onto it and definitely one of the biggest features I've ever hit. And it just seemed like unreal. Like we went there the night before to like scope it. And my buddy Lyhip, who's also from Connecticut, he's like, yeah, dude, this thing goes like, we got to set this up tomorrow. And I was just like, you are out of your mind. Like, there's no way we are hitting this. And he's like, yeah, dude, like, we're just going to build the jump right. And then we have the winch. It's fast enough. Like, we had the good company Heine winch. And he's like, dude, we got this. Like, we didn't come out here to mess around. Like, we're trying to do some some shit and make a name for yourself, right? And I was just like, all right, word. Like, I'll come back and look at it during the day. I'm not, like, promising you anything right now. And then we showed up in the morning and – or just like, I stood around for probably 20 minutes, just like going back and forth in my head. Like, am I going to do this? Like, cause like once you start building, like there's no backing out, like I'm not going to have my homies shovel for four hours, five, six hours. And then like, be like, Oh sick. We just built like a, a 15 foot tall lip and I'm not going to hit it guys. My bad. Like, you know, so I just am very conscious of like, if we decide to set something up, like it's like, all right, you're committing to this. So 
yeah, we, we decided to do it. And that one was crazy. Like I, I was just like, Oh my God, like it was a wild one for sure. And um, yeah, there's probably a bunch, but like, that's like one that really stands out to me for sure. There's some in the X games part that I'm really excited about, but I don't want to really give anything away on that. And um, yeah, I guess that's probably one right now that I'm like, really really stoked about yeah he said to so he said if you didn't bring it up yourself so he said either the whale tail or the wall ride up in the up in uh the backcountry wall ride are his two favorites i don't know if you remember <laughs> either of those word yeah um i think it was like my like i made just like a season edit it's like lupe haggerty 2014-15 i believe and um the opening shots are like this whale tail and this like wall ride that we built in the like side country of like blue river, Colorado. It's like outside of Breck. And um, I was like super motivated to, you know, we, Kirk and I had been filming a bunch of street together that winter. And like, I think it's like always really cool to try and incorporate like not just one type of skiing, but show that you're like well-rounded and can hit jumps, hit rails and like, take your tricks outside of the park to the backcountry into the streets. And um, yeah, I went up by myself and like built the whale tail by myself. Like I shoveled for like a day and a half, two days, and then like basically had it finished. And I think like Kirk might've on the last day, like him and maybe my buddy, Charlie Babcock. Um, I think they might've like helped me finish it real quick, but yeah, I pretty much like dug the whale tail all by myself and, it was like a lot of snow. It was like one of those things I just went up there and didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And then, yeah, just ended up shoveling for like two days straight just to like make it work by myself. And then just was like hitting anyone up. I was like, yo, I got this feature. Like, will you guys come and like help me hit it and film it? And like, you know, like it'll be sick. Like, I just, I really want to get these shots for like a, a segment or like, you know, the edit I'm working on. And they were just like, yeah, like, of course, dude. And we like went out and we were like at the bar the night before, you know, like drinking and being young and dumb and still woke up mad early, like got up at like six 30 or seven and got up there and got the shots. And then I think like Kirk or Charlie had work. So we had to like do it early and it was just kind of like a, a funny situation to be in, but um, yeah, it was cool. And then the wall ride. Yeah. The wall ride was dope. Like I think Kirk and I built that one together and um hit it together and filmed it together and stuff. And yeah, it was all super fun and really good times. Hell yeah. And so, yeah. And speaking of good times out in Breck, he said uh, to ask about Cecilia's the club. Oh, Oh geez. Yeah. He wants a story. <laughs> he said, he said there are definitely some good ones from, from Cecilia's. Yeah, man. Those were some loose times. Like it was crazy. Like scrappy Joe or uh, Joey Vandermeer was out in Colorado at that time and Josh Karcher, um, like Keegan Kilbride. Yeah, there was like a bunch of the homies, you know, like we were all just, all the um, the Strictly boys, like Sam Zayner, Mike Coppola, uh, Charlie Babcock, uh, Mark Spinney. Um, yeah, like, e-money like all the dudes like we would just go ski keystone and that's when keystone was still like really really sick and 
the park crew was like killing it and we just go and ski at like you know like 12 or 1 like right when the snow is starting to warm up and soften up and they'd stay open till five so we'd like lap from like one to five and you know just have perfect spring laps all day and then we'd go back to our homie Nick Pease's crib and Breck and like we'd grill out every day and then we'd go out to the bars and like it was definitely a wild time in life like it's like nostalgic to look back on those times but honestly I look back I'm like I don't know how we did that like you know we would drink a lot and then ski every day and I don't know. I just don't drink much anymore. And the way it affects me, like if I drink now, I'm just like done the next day. So just definitely a different chapter of life. And um, yeah, it was pretty loose, but you know, definitely we're just young and just living like a, a pretty free and loose lifestyle at that time. Yeah, for sure. And so the last question is from uh, B Walmer and uh, he says, how are you always so positive? He says he's the, ha you're the happiest skier he's ever seen. <laughs> man that's super nice uh thank you brendan i appreciate that um i i think it's cool that he thinks that um you know i i try to to dwell on the positive and not the negative and like the things you can't control like don't focus on those because you're just going to drive yourself crazy um i personally think like i would it's, it's cool to hear that people have that perspective because I think I sometimes struggle with like, just like getting in my head about stuff or, you know, just being negative or trying to remind myself like to stay grateful for things. But um, it's always flattering to hear that that's like people's perception. And, you know, I'm not perfect. I definitely have my bad days and have days where I get bummed out or whatever. But like, I just find that if, you try to just be positive and, you know, just be stoked. It, it will save you a lot of time and um, it's more effective than being negative. And like, people don't want to be around someone that's angry and negative or like being a dick. Like, you know, people want to be around good energy, good vibes and positivity. And um, not only the ski industry being super small and like, you know everyone knows each other and like if you're a dick and you're not positive like people are gonna know about it and you're not gonna go very far but like like I said before I'm not the most talented skier by any means but I think personally for myself where I've seen the success or like the opportunity is like being willing to work hard and to be positive and try to be a good person and like just you know, like be friends with everyone and try to like be stoked and be like what you want to see in the world, I guess, is like the best way to describe it. <laughs> for sure. Well, that's all the questions I have. I just want to thank you for coming on. That was awesome. Um, is there anything that you want to say? Any Anything that you want pe people to check out? Anywhere they could follow you? Um. Yeah, if you guys want to give me a follow at um, – at lupe86l on instagram you can stay uh, up to date with what i got going on um if you haven't seen some of the older projects like nowhere now here just came out this fall and uh yeah i would say check that out it's definitely in my opinion my best work with owen to date and um yeah some of the older stuff too is cool like the 10-year street project and voodoo child 
And uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for the real ski segment dropping. Um, yeah, sometime in February. And um, yeah, I'm just grateful to have you reach out, Ethan. Uh, it's It was really cool to see someone from Connecticut, like, you know, doing something cool with, um, you know, the podcast and like focused around skiing. And I was real stoked to have you reach out and want to do this. So I appreciate this opportunity. And um, I had like some of the stuff that we just talked about, I feel like uh, maybe only like really close friends of mine knew. So it was cool to kind of give some people a little more background of my story. And um, yeah, like shout out to everyone who's supported me over the years. Like there's more people than I can really name or thank right now, but like, you know who you are. And throughout the process of my career, there's been so many people that have been down to help me out and like give me an opportunity and um that believed in me so super grateful and shout out to my sponsors and my family and all the homies in the 860 like much love i'm uh, really grateful to to be doing this and yeah hard work and passion can go a long way like i never thought 10 years ago i'd be in the position i was in but you know don't let people tell you you can't do something if you want it bad enough um you can find a way to make it happen hell yeah that, that was awesome thank you man all right thank you everybody that was lupe haggerty you can find him on Instagram at Lupe860. Be sure to check out his most recent movie, Nowhere Now Here, and keep an eye out for him at X Games Real Ski. Unfortunately, some of the viewer questions came in late, so we didn't have time for those. If you like the show, make sure to rate and subscribe. Other than that, we'll see you next time.